Next on BYU Sports Nation, nine wins for BYU football for the first time in four years. ESPN's Trevor Maddis joins us and history made for BYU basketball. Anson Winder joins us, joins us live to discuss the record-breaking performance by Kyle Collinsworth and the big win against Belmont. Plus, BYU women's volleyball hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Head coach Heather Olmstead in studio. Ground-breaking stuff today. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation back to work on a Monday live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. You know, I feel like doing that, too, after I the weekend. I just did the arm wave thing again. Woo. I'm pumped after that weekend. November 30th. Weekend. Yes, wherever and however you're dialed in. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy currently in the market for a new phone, Jerem Jordan. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. So after the Belmont game, so you went to the Utah State game. You didn't go to Belmont. You put in a full day. You were in high school, okay? I went to the Belmont game, and after the game, uh, was in the press room, and I, I stick my phone up to re- record some audio from Dave Rose, which you'll hear in a moment um, from BYU, about the performance. And uh, after, I couldn't find it. And Dave Rose took it. He walked <laughs> off with it. And he then handed it back to me. Um, and then the WCC officials called a foul on Dave Rose. I was surprised that they were there after the game. They called it. It, it is was what, a late whistle it, from it, the WCC it, officials. Surprising. It is what it is. Uh, but I got my phone back, despite Dave Rose <laughs> stealing it from me. Yeah, I was happy to unthaw on the way home from the BYU football game. Just thaw. Unthaw is... Oh, that's true. Yeah, just thaw. I was happy to try and get warm. Irregardless. <laughs> just regardless. Okay? Yeah, you looked so cold, man. But you, you guys put in work. Our whole crew that was up there, Craig Camp, the camera operator, Michael Miner, senior coordinating producer, field producer on that, and you, you guys were freezing. Thank you for doing that so that none of... The rest of us had to do that. No, you're welcome. You are so welcome. Really funny. <laughs> nice wa- work up there. Seriously. Wagon wheel moment post game, by yeah. the way. So Utah State added like this addition to the wagon wheel at this metal insert, like a hubcap that had the Utah State logo on it. Like, hey, it's ours right now. So when BYU right now, went over to get it, boards. when BYU went over to get it, this guy that was like the curator for it or whatever was like, <laughs> oh, hey, I, I need I need the hubcap thing. So he's like pulling out this big metal thing, and the players are like, give it to us, give it to us. And then I heard one, I can't remember who it was. I'm trying to pinpoint who it was, but I heard the following quote from a BYU player. We should roll this thing all the way back to Provo, man. Said the dumbest man ever. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> Put it in the team bus. It's 21 degrees outside of the windchill at 12 and, and it's drive said, back. Yeah, it said it felt like 8 oh, on so weather.com. Cold. I, don't, I, I don't let some computer tell me how it feels, though. Because the computer's never felt Are anything. you questioning my logic? Yes. 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 Bracket Matrix, get out of here. We'll talk fail, to you in February. Fail weather apps Jeez. on all smartphones ever. Who let him in here? BYU beats the cold, and that is our first BYU Sports Nation headline. And the Aggies in Logan, 51-28. to Tanner Mangum eclipsed 3,000 passing yards for the season in the game. Mitch Matthews was elite. He was in that game. Six wow. catches, 158 yards receiving, couple of touchdowns. The win pushes BYU to nine wins for the first time in four years. Significant in a lot of ways. We'll break down that in a moment. BYU Hoops beats Belmont 95-81 yesterday. BYU announced the NCAA awarded Kyle Collinsworth an additional rebound after review, giving him the NCAA record for triple-doubles. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. Woo! 
That is awesome. An early rise and shout to him. He had 26 points, 10 assists, 10 boards. He's also the CBS Sports National Player of the Week. Hey, by the way, you watched that game exclusively on BYU TV. And for those watching on BYU TV right now, it, it wasn't the most glorious highlight, but it still counts all the same, the rebound that was in question. We're, we're tweeting it out. This is the play that they missed the rebound on. And, and credit the NCAA. Listen, in life, it's about doing what's right, no matter what the timing is, okay? If you have to review it on Sunday morning, and that is the first rebound BYU's ever had on a Sunday morning. That's the only one ever, and it's for a triple-double. There was a late call on Dave Rose after he stole Jerem's phone, and there was a review that on was Saturday Sunday morning. Yeah. On Saturday. <laughs> yeah, lots going on. The official groundbreaking for the Marriott Center Annex, YMCA, yeah, that's right, is today. Yes! Just under an hour, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll Finally! try and periscope that in the frigid Provo weather. It's currently 22 degrees outside. No, seriously, it feels like negative five. I thought that, that this was going to happen uh, earlier. It's happening today. Great. Let, let's do it. It's supposed to be ready before next season. Now, I'm not sure if that's still updated, uh, but that's great because the Marriott Center Annex is going to be our pickup basketball gym right next to our building. I can't wait. Dave Rose said it. Yes, he did. You said it on our show, Dave, <laughs> and stole my phone. BYU women's volleyball received the 13th seed overall in the NCAA tournament brackets last night. Congrats to them. The Cougars play Ohio in the first round Friday. If they win, they'd play the winner of Arizona and Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Uh, the Cougars will host first and second round games on Friday and Saturday this weekend. Broadcast details to be announced. Uh, we're playing video on BYU TV. And if you saw it last night from BYU Women's Volleyball on Twitter, the reaction from the women's volleyball team, head coach Heather Olmstead will join us coming up. I'm with our producer, Ben Bagley. I wanted Amy Boswell high knee celebration. Yeah! I wanted her to get up, yeah. Natalie, yeah. I, I wanted Natalie Lewis there going... Hallelujah, the NCAA didn't snub a BYU women's team and actually gave them a seed so that they can host more than one home game. Yeah, still bitter yeah, about soccer. About that. On that note, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. A triple crown weekend for BYU athletics. We just went through most of it. BYU football drops 51 against Utah State. They get to nine wins. Nine greater than eight. There's your math lesson for the day. Mitch Matthews, elite. BYU basketball rebounds in a major way to beat a good Belmont team. 95-81 Kyle Collinsworth sets the NCAA triple-double career mark. Check. Loves Kyle Collinsworth. <laughs> You're still going there. <laughs> and BYU women's volleyball earns the 13th seed overall in the NCAA tournament. They'll host the first two rounds. So with that trifecta of awesomeness in mind, Jerem, let's roll out today's Twitter question. What was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? What was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? Use the hashtag BYUSN. At DYoung1993, the football team beat the Dairy Utes. Hashtag Aggie Tears. Dairy Utes? (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, Okay, for me it was BYU football. Yeah, yeah, Um, that was the biggest thing. Nine wins is really significant, given that eight was, you know, the win total of the last three years. Uh, Mitch Matthews balled out. Okay, have I changed my stance on him being elite in the national conversation? No, but he was fantastic again. He was elite. He's so good against Utah State. He had three touchdown catches in Logan uh, two years ago. He's so good. The, the one 35-yarder over the defender where oh. he just pulled it up and over his head made that guy look silly. The Dairy Utes, I guess, is what they're called. Uh, Tomasi Laulile's play at the end of the first half changed the game. Tanner Mangum goes over 3,000, as you mentioned. Four touchdowns, no picks. The BYU offense scores 50-plus for just the first in back-to-back games for the first time in 10 years. 
That was amazing. All of that culminates in BYU finishing the season, the regular season, strong and making a case for Vegas. We'll see. And we don't know when that announcement will come uh, in terms of this week. It's no later than next Sunday. It will be at the latest next December Sunday. December 6th. I would expect that it's sometime in the middle of this week, just me saying this, so that they can sell as many tickets as possible. But at football, what a, what a win for BYU over Utah State. And that, in a, in a way, was for Taysom. That wasn't really discussed. But after last year's sour, sour loss, that was redemptive in a way. To get to 10 wins on the season, you had to get to nine, and Mitch Matthews spoke Another about that Matt latest Wilson. win. Yes. Yeah, it was huge, man. And uh, We haven't had nine wins in four years, so it feels good, especially me. I've been here all three years of those eight and five seasons, and they haven't been fun, so it's been really good to, uh, to get that ninth win, and we still have one left. And to get 10 wins would be, it'd be huge. We'd reach most of our goals. We always talk about Broncos pillars, okay? Ten wins, ranked in the top 25, bowl game win, beat your in-state foes. Could the Cougars and it was hit Utah, all of those? So no Utah translates with Utah State, I guess. BYU expected, expects to beat Utah State uh, every year. Expects to beat Utah State. I'm not sure that's the standard. It's, okay, hope to, hope to win, right? And next year in game two, BYU play, will play Utah. But a nice win for BYU to get to those goals. If BYU gets to 10, they got a shot at finishing rank. Maybe, we'll see. And then preseason buzz. All of that matters. For me, football is king, and so that's why it's the easy answer. It's like, yeah, nine wins for the first time in four years. That is amazing. But side by side, we need to appreciate just exactly what happened on Saturday night with that BYU basketball team. Three days after the biggest Twitter meltdown of the young BYU hoop season against Mississippi Valley State. Oh, there will be more. They come back and put together (laughs) their best performance of the season against a perennial NCAA tournament team in Belmont. Dave Rose led the charge in talking about just how important that win was. This, this was really, this is a really important game. I thought we really played consistently uh, with the urgency that we need to play with, and we were playing with each other. I, thought, I think that we shared the ball really well, and, and hopefully we've, we made some real steps forward coming together as a group tonight. The juxtaposition of reaction between Wednesday and three days later and Saturday was comical. BYU needed a better opponent, apparently, because they played much better against Belmont. Well, it just takes time. And Dave Rose said he gave a bunch of guys an opportunity against Mississippi Valley State that otherwise wouldn't have gotten one because it was a bad opponent. So you bring out the big guns for the big games, and BYU took care of business at home. This is a great win for their NCAA tournament resume. Choo-choo, baby! What date is it? November 30th. Who's back on the train with me? Yeah! <laughs> BYU's, in my opinion, BYU's going to make the NCAA tournament. We'll figure out their seed later. But you're right. This is a big win on the heels of Mississippi Valley State and going into Utah this Wednesday. BYU's playing the actual Utes, not the Dairy Utes, on Wednesday. Uh, and Utah's good. I know they got blown out by Miami uh, in Puerto Rico, but Utah's a good team, and we'll see where BYU figures uh, to be after Wednesday. Okay, let's put into context what Kyle Collinsworth did in the midst of this Saturday night basketball game. He sets the NCAA triple-double career mark. What, a, what an accomplishment. Seven. He's done it seven times and all in the last season and a half. Unbelievable. Unbelievable for him. And that brings us to 
our obvious stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Kyle Collinsworth now holds the NCAA career triple-double record with seven. Now, the NCAA did not record assists until when? The 80s? 80s? So Kyle Collinsworth has done something that no one's done in the last, what, 35 years, which is seven triple-doubles. You know who was one of the guys with six? Shaq. Shaq was one of the guys with six. Yes. And Kyle Collinsworth has surpassed that. We, we had this question going into the season. How many, if any, would he get because of BYU's bigs? He is still a dominant uh, rebounding point guard, a point forward, or whatever. So seven is amazing. What an amazing accomplishment. And for BYU and the NCAA to get this right is great. Now, it was really anticlimactic. And that's the disappointing part is that no one could really celebrate that with him. And people were on the verge, right? They wanted to celebrate. I hope that next Wednesday at home against Utah State that there is an acknowledgement of this accomplishment. And I, I bet there will be. Because what Kyle Collinsworth did is unbelievable. Arguably the toughest individual accomplishment in basketball. What's tougher than getting a triple-double? Tough to I find mean, besides something. scoring 50. Like, I mean, overall game, right? Unbelievable. Not to mention Chase Fisher busting out of a slump. Nick Emery was awesome again. Nick Emery is playing really good ball. And, and I said Friday that I thought Chase Fisher would snap out of it and he, he would jump back in it, and that BYU would beat Melma, and they'd win both those games. We'll talk to Anson Winder about all of those things coming up as he joins us live. The conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Join BYU Sports Nation. What was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? Let's get to your tweets. It's winter time. At Cougars Forever. Beating the Aggies and all that comes with it. Tanner passing over 3,000 yards. Potential at 10 wins. Wagon wheel returns. All great things. At JV Fiso. I say BYU women's volleyball getting a home game for the NCAA tournament. Two of them potentially. Were awesome too. That's right. It was a great weekend for BYU. At Nickley 51. They put little brother back in their place. And set themselves up possibly for 10 wins. No, they set themselves up for 10 wins. Up next, ESPN College Football Insider Trevor Maddich. What was the best thing he saw happen for BYU over the weekend? The dairy you. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Watch it on BYU TV, simulcast on BYU Radio. The conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Join our conversation using the hashtag BYUSN. And like every Tuesday in the fall, it's a super Tuesday because we have three sports programs for you. Starting at 6 Eastern time, the re-air of BYU Sports Nation. 7 Eastern, last week's Inside BYU Football. 7.30 Eastern, Inside BYU Football's brand new edition. What it took for BYU to prepare for and win the old wagon wheel back from Utah State. And then at 8 Eastern time, after further review, Brian, David, and the guys break down what happened in Logan, which was fantastic. For the Cougars. Direct quote from one of the footballers after the game when they got the wagon wheel. Let's wheel it all the way back to Provo, man. In that weather, that is the dumbest thing that could have been done. (laughs) What was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? That is our Twitter question today. At the Clausinator says, no doubt it was getting revenge. A dish best served cold and bathed in hashtag Aggie tears. (laughs) A lot of people were happy about that win, man. Oh, man. It's a rivalry. It's a rivalry. And BYU won it. You avoided losing to Utah State. Back-to-back for the first time in over 30 Hey, hey, that was for Taysom, among other things. Trevor Maddich joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline as part of Maddich Monday, ESPN College Football Insider and Analyst, BYU National Champion. Trevor, what was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? Best thing that happened was that they crushed a rival. 
that they needed revenge against after what happened in the Utah State game last year. Getting wins is important, but the wins you remember are the ones that are the delicious wins. And there's nothing more delicious than to spank your rival, because guess what? For the rest of your life, especially these seniors, they'll be able to talk about it. I'm still, when people ask me what it's like to lose to your rival, I always tell them, I don't know. We were 8 no against Utah and Utah State. You'll have to have somebody else. <laughs> you know, so I'm still talking trash about it. So, you know, the, the, the win is great. The individual performances were great. But the, 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 the spanking of your rival is priceless. There were a lot of things in that game that really stuck out. But what stuck out the most to you from, you know, those performances, Tanner Mangum and Mitch Matthews and Bronson Kafusi and all those guys? Yeah, no, Bronson Kafusi. I mean, all over the field, and then blocking two kicks. People think about Beamer Ball. I think BYU is the it leads the nation in block kicks, and so that that the, the way that he dominates every place they put him is just astonishing. Because there are a lot of good football players out there. BYU has faced a lot of good football players, but in pretty much every game that the BYU has played this year, Bronson Kafusi was one of the best three players on the field on either side. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. It is Maddich Monday. The Cougars, each of the last three seasons, finishing 8-5. and five. But look at this, a ninth win and the ninth coming against Utah State. What is the significance of getting to number nine, Trevor? Well, it's a breakthrough because there was that ceiling at eight for the last three years. And, and to get to nine, mentally, it's just a big deal. They could get to ten now if they win their bowl game. And, and that's important going forward. They've got a lot of key players coming back next year. And this sends them into the offseason with not just the belief that they can take it to the next level next year, but validation that they've already taken it to the next level based on recent history. And that's important because how you believe, what you think, can either be something you have to overcome as you as you prepare, or it's something that drives you in a positive way as you prepare. And so, getting that ninth win right now that that's validation of a of a season that BYU, by all accounts, could have just won five or six games because of the epic injuries that they had at key places. I was impressed by BYU in the last two games, Trevor, uh, because we talked about what do you want to see from BYU in the last two. They scored 50-plus in back-to-back games for the first time in 10 years. What changed for the BYU offense? Well, I think you've got a freshman quarterback who's who's understanding the offense more. For all the the fantastic highlights that Tanner Mangum had early in the season with the Hail Marys, et cetera, he still didn't really know the offense. And the fact that he's he's cranking it out now is partly because he has a better understanding of what he's being asked to do. Robert and I, the offensive coordinator, is able to ask him to do more because he can assimilate more. And then the chemistry with those receivers is a big part of it. So uh, I think you know it's just a natural progression of young guys in key places. Now, the receivers aren't young, that's for sure. The receivers have been fantastic. But the chemistry with them, with Tanner Mangum, was young. And as that's developed, the offense has improved. Tanner Mangum throwing for 3,000 yards as a true freshman. I know return missionary, but still technically a true freshman. Is he the best true frosh quarterback in the country, Trevor? Uh, I believe so. I mean, Josh Rosen got all the credit, the UCLA Super Frosh. Uh, early in the season, he looked fantastic, and he, he's, he's looked more like a freshman too often this season, which is okay. Nothing wrong with that. But while all that attention was focused on Rosen, you had Mangum, who was actually the guy that, that really deserved most of the credit. And I think that this sets him up next year to get a lot of attention early. And so, you know, the, his preparation this offseason, the, the continued development of the offensive line, everybody on the two, two deep on the offensive line will be back except for one guy, Riker Matthews. So 
or I mean, it sets up for Tanner Mangum to be basically, you know, a, a, one of the one of the early fireworks next year from a national standpoint. So, you know, he's uh, he's got a lot to be proud of, and BYU fans have a lot to be not just grateful for, but to have great expectations for going forward with Mangum. And the future is certainly bright. The question's still up in the air, Trevor, as to whether you know Taysom Hill will return for BYU and what BYU does with that. What's your opinion on that? Do you think Taysom Hill should return to BYU? You know, if, if he does, he deserves every benefit of the doubt. If he does, I could see, I could see them redshirting Tanner Mangum and letting Taysom play out that senior year. If they did that, uh, it would it would interrupt Taysom a little bit. Uh, excuse me, Tanner, actually a lot. And it would take a, a subordination of his dreams and his desires and his ego. But if they were able to pull that off, then if Taysom Hill could stay healthy, you could see BYU get an extension of, of the return of quarterback U. Uh, I, I don't know what will happen. I don't know what the health situation for Taysom will be or if he even will want to come back. I imagine the NCAA will grant him a, a hardship uh, and grant him an extra year. But really a lot of it comes down to what Tanner Mangum would want to do because if, if Mangum is the guy next year, he'll be the guy for three or four years, period. If he's not the guy next year, all kinds of things could happen. Um, and so you, you just never know what will happen the following year. So I, I, I can see on paper a good situation for BYU if Taysom Hill comes back and they redshirt Tanner. But, but we'll see. There's a whole lot to have to decide on before they get to a decision like that. The NFL, an option for Taysom Hill as he moves forward. Also for Bronson Kafusi, who seemingly with each game is upping his draft stock. Mitch Matthews had his best game of the year. When you look at the overall season between Matthews, who's BYU's leading receiver, and Kafusi, who is BYU's leading defender, who's had the stronger season? Well, I, I, yeah, that's really hard to call. Uh, I would have to give that edge to Matthews, though, because that defense is a good defense. The offense, though, had issues on the offensive line with suspension, etc. You've got a freshman quarterback in there. You've got your, your best running back who's not even with the team this year. And, and you've had the receivers have to carry the team. And we've talked about this all season long, where there have been times when they just had to go up and beast the ball. And they did, and it's led by Matthews. And the thing about Matthews is so much fun to talk about, or excuse me, to watch when he plays, is that he plays mean, man. He plays angry. It's like, gosh, he's mad all the time. And I think that's great. It's a great attitude. I think he's, he's an angrier football player than Bronson Kafusi, but I think Kafusi would still beat him in a fight just because he's bigger <laughs> and stronger. But just in terms of pure attitude, man, Mangum, excuse me, uh, Matthews is one of the bell cows on this team because that feeds into the rest of the team when they see that look on that guy's face of determination, and then he goes up and beasts that ball. It inspires everybody, not just on the offense, but I mean linebackers look at that and go, man, that's how I want to play. Yeah, he's been a leader, and before the season, he was adamant that they were not an 8-5 team, not going to be an 8-5 team, they were going to be better. And now they look at the bowl situation, Las Vegas or Hawaii. Vegas, you play a Power 5 opponent, double the payout. A lot of players have been outspoken that they want to go to Vegas, but what bowl do you want BYU to go to? Las Vegas would be a, a better situation. Plus, if they can somehow shoehorn Utah into that, that would be fantastic for 
for BYU to get a crack at those guys in the bowl game. But Las Vegas is, is closer. More fans will be able to get there uh, with less of a financial hardship. Um, and I think it would, just be, it would just be a better situation for BYU. There's more money. But the Hawaii Bowl uh, is also good. I mean, it's Christmas Eve, so it's five days later. So it would take away really Christmas with the family. And, and that's an issue. That's one of the reasons I think a lot of BYU personnel would like to go to Las Vegas. That's on the 19th of December. But on Christmas Eve, that Hawaii Bowl, man, people have a big, um, you know, their big meal, their big stuff on Christmas, and then it's time to turn on football, and that's the game they're watching. So from a national standpoint, I think there'd be a higher profile in the Hawaii Bowl. But I think they'd, uh, they'd end up with a, a better scenario for the fans in Las Vegas. Now, if you ask me which one, I say take the money, man. Go to Las Vegas. Matt, it's Monday on <laughs> Double meaning. BYU Sports Nation with ESPN College Football Analyst Trevor Maddich. Let's go national now. Who are your top four teams for the college football playoff right now? Right now, top four teams, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Iowa. Iowa. Why Iowa? Iowa? You know, the team that's playing the best right now, by the way, is probably Ohio State. But they took too long to get it cranked up, man. They just, they're just they one game late. And Ezekiel Elliott, their running back, after that loss two weeks ago to Michigan State, he complained publicly about the play calling. And he was right that the play calling was suspect. He was wrong to complain about it. But all of a sudden, in this game they against um, Michigan, they fed him the rock. He pounded it. They played with an attitude. And I'll tell you, nobody, nobody that does make the playoff would want to face Ohio State. They will all breathe a sigh of relief that those Buckeyes, the way they played against Michigan, will probably not be in the, in the playoff. How does Ohio State get in the playoff, Trevor? Chaos. I mean, utter chaos. I think the, the winner of the Big Ten championship game between Iowa and Michigan State is in. The um, Pac-12... Their best scenario is that Stanford beats USC, but they'd still be a two-loss conference champion. And so the problem is that the committee gives a lot of, of weight to winning your own conference. And I can see where a two-loss conference champion would trump a one-loss conference runner-up. Now, in order for a conference runner-up to beat, or excuse me, to get in over a conference champion, the committee would have to decide that they are unequivocally the better team, unequivocally the better team. But now when you look at it, Oklahoma's in no matter what. Florida, I can't imagine them beating Alabama, so that's two. The Big Ten champion's in, that's three. So then what you've got basically since Notre Dame just got knocked out is, is the ACC. If Clemson wins, they're in. And so Ohio State's out no matter what. If North Carolina beats Clemson, I think North Carolina should be in ahead of Ohio State. Not, not because no. they're necessarily a superior team, but because they just beat the team, Clemson, that the committee has said all season is the number one team in the nation. And they'd be a one-loss conference champion with the best win uh, of the year over Clemson in the final game of the season before the, before the playoffs. So, uh, so that, again, would bounce Ohio State. What they would need is for North Carolina to win an ugly game where Clemson self-destructed. They would need Florida to beat um, Alabama. Alabama. And they would likely need USC to beat Stanford in order for Ohio State to even be considered. But it's not because of their play. Right now, today, going forward, Ohio State's the best team in the country. But last week, Ohio State was not. And that's why they're on the outside looking in. I love parody and I love college football, as I imagine you do, Trevor. A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor, thanks for the time, as always. All right, thanks, guys.
Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. There was this discussion that the college football playoff would make the regular season less interesting. Oh, no. It has made it more interesting. We don't have time for this, but who was saying that? No, we knew that the regular season. It'll water it down. No. No. Stoke the flames, man. I didn't feel that way at all. I don't know about you, but Ohio State, the best team in the country right now. Might not get in. Interesting. Up next. Alabama. We switch our conversation to basketball. Anson Winder in studio and in the mustard yellow seats. There he is. He's here. How did Kyle Collinsworth do it, among other topics? Stay with us. Mustard seats, man. Welcome back on a Monday. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio and BYU TV presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Inside BYU Football, brand new edition airs tomorrow night, 7.30 Eastern time on BYU TV. Cougars beat the Aggies. They got the old wagon wheel back. They finished the regular season in style. Check it out tomorrow night, 7.30 Eastern time. Continuing on that note, let's refresh today's BYUSN headlines. With that 23-point win, Tanner Mangum eclipsed 3,000 passing yards for the season in that game, continuing to roll as a true freshman quarterback. BYU basketball beat Belmont 95-81. Yesterday, BYU announced the NCAA awarded Kyle Collins with an additional rebound after review, giving him the NCAA record for triple doubles with seven. Collinsworth finished with 26 points, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds. Is that good? Yes. Yeah. The official groundbreaking for the YMCA. The Marriott Center Annex will be in just under an hour at 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll try and periscope that fighting off the cold. Yeah. BYU women's volleyball received the 13th seed overall in the NCAA tournament last night. The Cougars host Ohio in the first round Friday. Broadcast details to be determined. Second guest of the day is Anson Winder, BYU basketball star at one point, now turning his game to a status uh, type of performance. And now, Anson, let's start with this, okay? What do you want the NCAA to review to help increase your statistics as you look back on your career? Because they can go back and review some things. <laughs> um, just those first two years, I think they missed a couple stats that they need to go back. And uh, I think I had a couple triple-doubles, too, that they may have. Up the three-point percentage yeah. as well? Yeah. The there was one where you started low. four Tyler Hawes. You had some... You know, abdominal issues. Yeah. I remember that weekend. <laughs> yeah. It was a good weekend. Yeah, you I think I got slided on a couple stats. I need to go back and, and look at. Let's talk about this. So last year you played with Kyle. He has the six triple doubles. Did you have a sense that he was in triple-double watch during a game? Or are you totally focused on other things that you don't notice that? Um, in the back of your mind, you do kind of think about it. He does so much through the course of a game. He's so versatile. It's just you you look at the stat sheet, which we, I mean, we never really see a stat sheet, but I'm sure you look at it in the start of the second half or towards the end of the game, and you know that he's he's nearing it, you know, consistently. What, now, now tell me this. So I don't, I don't believe that you guys have no clue on this, okay, on the sideline. I don't believe it. I just straight up don't believe it. No one's over there saying, hey, Nashif, one rebound. No one's saying that. Like, that's not in the conversation. We could be those guys for Terry Nash, technically. <clears throat> I think after the first couple triple doubles that Kyle got, it, it became more apparent that, okay, maybe we should track this. And if he gets a little closer, <laughs> let's, like, let's make sure he's aware. And, yeah. You know did I mean? that happen? Like, uh, did anyone say, like, towards hey, the end of the year? Safe. Yeah, towards the end of the year, you know, it became apparent and we'd let him know, hey, you just need one more rebound or one more assist. Chilton? Yeah. Kyle Chilton hooking up. That's, I think that's part of his job is to help with context, right? I, I, I have nothing wrong with that. I think that's <laughs> great. 
As good as Kyle Collinsworth's performance was and setting the NCAA career triple-double mark, what was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? Just winning. Um, I think you look back and you'd much rather learn from a win than learn from a loss. So if you can chalk up a weekend and, and, and get a win like that against a good team, you, you learn from it and you grow from it, and it, it only helps. What did you see against Belmont that BYU did that they weren't doing the last couple of games, didn't do against Long Beach, didn't do against, say, Mississippi Valley State? Um, they seemed so much more comfortable. Um, and they got into a flow of the offense, and it looked a lot more fluent than usual. Um, that was one thing that was exciting to see. You know, the, the beginning of the year, there's always those little bumps and bruises you go through, and, and you have to try and figure out how to how you fit on this team and, and how to make it work and how to contribute. And I think you, you're starting to see guys find their roles and uh, be successful. Your good friend and former roommate Chase Fisher called what he was dealing with one of the worst shooting slumps he's gone through as a basketball player, well, he kind of shot himself out of that slump against Belmont, uh, five for ten. What's it like to be in that that mindset where you know you're a good shooter, but it's just not going down? I think as seniors going into you know their final year, you have such high expectations for not only yourself but for the team in general, you know. And sometimes it's just a matter of finding your comfort zone and and getting back to the way that you play basketball and what got you to that point. And I think Chase. You know, the great shooter that he is, you know, you saw him struggle a little bit those first couple of games. And it's just a matter of, you know, finding that shot that is going to fall and, and then hitting your next one and your next one. And as we saw that second half, he lit it up and it was impressive to see. And, and that's kind of just a, the tip of the iceberg of what Chase can do. And we hope to see more of it hopefully going forward. In his postgame uh, press conference uh, comments, he mentioned that he knows that he's got to play well for BYU to be able to win with these young guards. Another element to that is Nick Emery. Um, I thought it would uh, take a little bit to figure out his role. I think he's figured it out already, how he meshes with these alpha males in, in uh, Kyle and Chase. What have you seen from Nick Emery? Oh, I see the exact same thing. Um, I didn't know it would happen this early. Um, you, you, of course, you expect it to happen since he's such a good player. But to see him come on this early, I think it, a lot of it had to do with him having to make plays early on in the year. You go to Long Beach and you realize that your two seniors are in foul trouble and and aren't on the floor, well, someone has to contribute, and he definitely rose to the occasion. And you're seeing that um, that level of success right now. Um, in these last couple of games, he's played here at the Marriott. He's played fantastic, and he seems like he's in his element right now, and he's emerging as one of those leading cons- and consistent scorers, which is going to be very ben- beneficial for BYU and going forward. Isn't that wild? What is What was it, game five, and he scores 27 <laughs> against a good team? Like, th- this guy's really good, and he's five – games into his career exactly like, nuts it's, it's unreal um it's impressive to see though i mean to have a freshman with this much confidence um this early in the year it's it just shows it's gonna pay dividends later on i'm gonna look up how many points you had in game five as a freshman <laughs> oh, like, okay here like we go two. the ncaa <laughs> like needs to review that <laughs> this before, is one of those games before we put that on the air this is one of those games where they i think they owe me like 20 points what's, <laughs> what's your guess on this how many points you had in game five as a freshman i don't know like because you, you you became a starter. Yeah. I think like eight, maybe seven. You had zero points. No. You had zero points against <laughs> Wisconsin. Wait, playing game number one. Against Utah State. Yeah, okay. So the f- the fifth game you played or the fifth game? Either Kay. one. Okay. If it was your fifth game, zero points. Your, uh, f- the fifth game of the season, nine points against Nevada. Let's go Res- with that one. Respectable. <laughs> There's the BYU Sports one. Nation review. Res- respectable. Yes. Nine points as a freshman. At 11 okay. the game before. All right. Because of Nick Emery's quick start, is it is it unfair to expect him to keep up this pace? Um, you know, the, the season is so long, 
and there's so many ups and downs. It's hard to say that you know he'll continue this throughout the course of the year. Um, you can't expect 27 points a game from a freshman who is still getting used to college basketball. But you can clearly see that he will have to contribute. And so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for him to play well you know, the rest of the year. Um, and, and I think BYU is going to need that to, to win games. What is this BYU team capable of? Because I see increased play from the bigs. I see young guards, but those starting three guards really effective right now. I, th- I think we need to see more from Toulson and Chapman and those guys. But what, what do you think BYU is capable of this season after seeing them play five games? Oh, the sky's the limit. I think the the last couple of years we haven't had that combination of bigs and guards like they do now, and the team is so versatile. And having two senior guards to lead this group is it's going to help a ton. And like you said, they are going to need some more contributions from the bench, and I think that'll come with just time and and guys becoming more comfortable. But it, definitely, the sky's the limit, and who knows how well or you know how good this team could actually be. So much emphasis has been placed on BYU's defense getting better, better than last year. Scoring has never really been the problem for BYU, but the defense was where they really wanted to address things, and Quincy Lewis has done that. Now giving up 65 points per game on average. I know we're only five games into the season, but from your perspective, is the BYU defense getting better? I think it is getting better. It's a learning experience for everyone, um, having a, a new defensive coach and having such young guys having to – play early on it, it's a learning experience and it's a huge learning curve but you can definitely see they're making strides and guys are making plays that I think we haven't made you know even when I was playing in, on the defensive end so it, it's exciting to see and if they can grow and use these as learning tools as each game goes on it's only going to get better uh, especially going into conference and that's saying a lot you had 107 career steals I thought you were a really effective defensive player um, for BYU now now BYU plays Utah Wednesday Describe to us what it's like to play in the Huntsman Center against the Utes. Oh, boy. <laughs> the last time was, didn't go so well for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was – it's an amazing atmosphere. Um, it's what you expect playing going across the town and play your rival. Um, but it will be um, it will be a huge game, and it will be re- extremely loud. And it will rattle guys at first. I know I was nervous when I first, you know, that first time I played there in my freshman year. And then we went there a couple of years ago and it was, it was definitely nerve wracking and they are on top of you and they will let you have it for 40 minutes. So um, it's just a matter of getting your comfort zone as early as possible. Um, you see a couple shots fall, maybe get a couple layups going to start the game and, and, you know, just to keep the crowd out of it as, as much as possible. And, and I think they'll do well. I, I don't see them having you know too much of an issue with Utah. If they play the way they played these last couple of games, they should they should have a lot of success in the, up in the Huntsman. Anson Winder in Studio B, dropping it like it's hot, bro. Come back and do it again. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> but before you go, you need to sign the new stretch Y flag behind us that has been neatly ironed. Thank you, at P underscore Norton on the Twitter machine. Uh, give us your signature there, and we'll look forward to doing more of this. Definitely. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Anson. Yeah, Anson no Winder, looking sharp. He can get away with the top button. Jerem cannot get away with the top button. Hey, top button. <laughs> top button for life. What was the best the thing that happened for crew. BYU over the weekend? Maybe it was women's volleyball. Heather Olmstead, the head coach, will join us as she approaches a seated appearance in the NCAA tourney. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. Remember, if you miss an episode of this show live, not to worry. 
rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV, 6 p.m. Eastern. Including Tuesdays. That starts a Super Tuesday, 6 Eastern time. BYU Sports Nation re-air, 7 o'clock Eastern time inside BYU football from last week, 7.30, the brand new edition of that show, and then 8 Eastern time after further review. It's tomorrow night on BYU TV. BYU women's volleyball coach in her first season and back in the NCAA tournament, Heather Olmstead with us back in Studio B. Heather, welcome back. Thanks for having me. How would you rate the reaction from your team in terms of like the celebratory factor from the video that was tweeted out when you found out where you were going? It was pretty good. Um, They did a little different this year with the selection. So what you guys saw was the second time we saw our name, but they kind of announced the seeds one through six, and then we didn't kind of know what was going on, and then all of a sudden we popped up as a 13 seed. So we all it was quiet, and we didn't know what was going on because they they did it a little differently this year. But that reaction is when we saw that we're playing Ohio, um, and we already knew we were at home. So it was pretty exciting um, for the team, and uh, just super happy for them. So you already knew you were going to host. We didn't know. They just the way they did it was a little bit different. Mm. We knew before that reaction. You knew you were seated, therefore you were going to host? Yes. Just during the show. It, yeah, it was, yeah. It's hard to explain, but they did it yeah. different than they ever done it. And so we showed up as a, all the seeds showed up first instead of doing gotcha. it bracket by bracket. And so it's a surprise. So they showed all the 16 seeds. Mm. And we were like, is that our ranking? Is that our seed? And so it was, <laughs> was kind of comical. What did it mean to be seated? Because there's only 16 in the country. Yeah. Just it's a uh, great for our team, it means we get to play another another day in the Smithfield House and uh, one more match and hopefully two. And I think it's just exciting that the the seniors and then the whole team gets to play again uh, Friday. Do you feel like you were seated accurately? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say. There's so many good teams out there. Everyone's Everyone wants the same thing, and so it can go either way. I felt like our body of work was really good. I, the girls, uh, the team did a great job throughout the season, beating teams, um, good teams in pre, preseason and then during the conference. So I felt like whatever was going to happen was supposed to happen, but obviously thrilled with the 13 seed. You were hoping to be really good again, and you have a really good team. But have you taken a moment to go, wow, we, the regular season was really good, 26-3, and three, won the conference, or do you wait till after the season? No, we, we've, I've had a few moments like that where it's like, wow, we just did that, you know, at San Diego, sweeping them, at home, sweeping them uh, again, and um, some preseason wins against Purdue and North Carolina. Every time we, I have those moments, I, I have people that keep telling me, enjoy the moment, and mm-hmm. enjoy it, and then the next day you move on. And so I've, I've really tried to appreciate any of those small moments because they're just so special. Was last night one of those moments, too? Yeah, last night was pretty cool. It was um, just our team, and they're so close, and they're just such a, a great duo just as far as the dynamics, and they love each other. And so we, uh, we took a deep breath and said, okay, now let's get to work. You're an even-keel personality, but as we look at those great moments, what's the most animated you have been this whole season? This whole season? Well, I probably have a different – answer than the girls but I got I was pretty excited when I got I got a dig against Pacific I don't think you guys sh- it didn't didn't show <laughs> oh, yeah, it I, you saw I, yeah, my dig I was making a big deal out of that I got two digs actually it. I haven't yeah. got a dig since 2001 so <laughs> I got a dig and I just couldn't help but smile and laugh and then my sister tells me all the time you stand too close to the court the girls can't dig it Alexa Gray could have got that dig and Alexa, I said no nope. Alexa Gray dove like she could ankles. not have got it but I liked her effort but I got two digs. I was pretty excited. I got this, Alexa. I was pretty excited. I, I got this. That was funny. And I, so there, there's, this, there's this relationship on air between the so-called talent. I don't call myself that. But the announcers, right, and the truck where you're trying to kind of call for the replay without saying, yeah, can we see no that replay. on the air? Yeah. There was no replay. 
That's all right, but now that you've said that, we're going to have to pull that I replayed out. it quite a few times, so. <laughs> we will find that moment and tweet it out, Heather. It will be relived see, again look, and again. See, what Spencer did right there was just a sign of production assistant, something to like do. Go find that video! I like it. At home against UOP, November 7th. <laughs> it was great. Second set, the score was 11-7. to 7. <laughs> That is actually close. Is it? I think so. I did call the game. Um <laughs> I don't oh, remember. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, okay. Alexa, great. Did she? Did she? Um, when did she take the jump? And when did you notice? Okay, she's on another level. Um, this season, um, honestly, just small improvements throughout the season. But at Gonzaga, so just two or three weeks ago, mm-hmm. she was like out of body experience, and she what? We were down 0-2, and she just kept swinging, and she was like, "I'm going to do this." Either you guys are with me or you aren't. And um, Portland the night before, actually, same thing, 30 kills, 30 digs. So mm-hmm. that weekend, it was pretty evident um, that she was she was a pretty determined um, player. And so it's been pretty neat to watch and just sit back and go, she really wants this, and she's willing to put herself out there um, and, and say, hey, follow me, and we'll go do this together. Let's walk through her numbers since the match you talked about. So Portland, 30 kills. Gonzaga, 29. Santa Clara, 31. San Francisco, 19 in three sets. 29. It, why wouldn't she be a first-team All-American? Is she going to be a first-team All-American? She's got to be, right? Yeah. In my book, Alexa Gray is a first-team All-American, and she's uh, second in the country in kills per set above Bricio, who's at USC. Mm. Um, and so she's six-rotation player. She receives the serve, and teams are now serving away from her. Which is um, new this year, right? Yeah, brand new for her. And um, she blocks. She's, you know... 0.5 blocks per set. She serves. She gets aces. She's digging. And so in my book, you know, she's a first-team All-American. But um, the great thing about Alexa Gray is that she's, she just wants the team to do well. And so if, that, if, if her being a first-team Amer- All-American translates into winning and, and going farther in the tournament, then, you know, I'm all for it. And so is she. Given the form that you showed against Pacific, you should also be a first-team All-American. Heather. Well, okay. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I, I had fun. It was enjoyable. What kind of a challenge does Ohio present? I know you've had all of, like, 12 hours to dissect what Ohio does, but what, what kind of challenge will they bring? Yeah, Ohio's a great team. Um, they've got a good coaching staff. They've got a senior setter. They've got two outsides that are going to pose uh, challenges for us, but we're excited for it. They're good at ball control. They can pass well. So we're going to have to you know, be, be on our A game and, and, and serve tough and, and get our block going, and it's going to be a great match. Do they compare to any team in the West Coast Conference? Um, you know, We'll, we'll see as we look a little bit more at video, um, but I haven't exactly dove in it to see how, who I would think they remind me of. It's but, been like 12 hours. But huh? I know they've, they, uh, they beat Utah 3-0. We beat Utah 3-0. They lost to Purdue 0-3. We beat Purdue 3-0. But those, those were early in the season, and so they won the Mid-American Conference, and so they're, they're battle-tested. They're 25-7. and I mean, they're, they're ready to go. The, the key to winning um, at home is always having a great team, but yeah. there are other elements to home court advantage. What are some of those for you this year where you guys have not lost a match? Yeah, I think, gosh, an advantage of playing at home is, is just the energy and the electricity in the Smithfield house, as you guys know. It's just the rock, the, the community, the people that come out and want to watch good volleyball. They know they're going to get a show. They're, they're there for entertainment, and I feel like our girls provide that. But uh, I think, you know, the reason I think we went at home a lot is because the girls work hard, they prepare well, they practice there, and they're just ready to give it all um, out on the court. You know, by the time the match gets there, they're pretty excited and fired up. Would you like some BYU Sports Nation karma? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, because yeah. we're going to deliver that Yeah, right that'd be now. good. 
And I know you can ask your players about this. Yeah. You just ask Alexa. I'll ask her. About the BYU Sports Nation. She's the one who doesn't need it. No. <laughs> but we give. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. take anything we can get. Yeah, absolutely. We'd also like you to sign our stretch wide awesome. flag before you go and uh, thus finalize the karma transfer, if you will. Awesome. I don't know. I will do that. Heather Thank Olmstead you. with us. Good luck. Thank you. In the NCAA tournament. We appreciate it. We look we'll forward to watching Sweet 16. <laughs> See you Friday. <laughs> <laughs> what was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Up next, a loaded Cougar whip around, including a Jimmer update. This is BYU Sports Nation. All night. BYU Sports Station presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Jerem? Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU beats the Colts and the Aggies in Logan on Saturday, 51-28. Tanner Mangum eclipsed 3,000 yards passing for the season in a game. First BYU freshman quarterback to ever do that. Mitch Matthews, the lead one, had six catches, 158, and two touchdowns. The win gave BYU its first nine-win season since Riley Nelson in 2011. Men's basketball. BYU beat Belmont 95-81. Yesterday, BYU announcing the NCAA officially awarded Kyle Collinsworth an additional rebound, thus giving him the NCAA career mark for most triple doubles. He has seven. Yeah. He had 26 points, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds. He's also the CBS Sports Player of the Week. And the official groundbreaking for the Marriott Center Annex, which we are calling the YMCA, will be in just uh, in about four or five minutes. We're going to try and periscope that. Outside there, we're going to put on our jackets in just a moment and run out there. Volleyball. The Cougars received the 13th seed overall in the NCAA tournament brackets last night. They play Ohio in the first round Friday at home. If they win, they will play the winner of Arizona and Western Kentucky. Broadcast details to be announced. Jimmer. Jimmer's back. He makes his, his NBA Development League debut for the Westchester Knicks tonight. We can stream Cougars it, right? in the NFL. Daniel Sorensen had two tackles in Kansas City's 30-22 victory over the Buffalo Bills. Alani Fuller recovered a fumble and recorded a tackle in the Cardinals' 19-13 win against the 49ers. And Dallas Reynolds started at center for the New York Giants, snapping the ball to Eli Manning. They lost to the Redskins 20-14. Women's basketball. Cougars lost by eight to Georgia on Friday, but bounced back with the 12-point win against Penn State. Cougars overseas. Tyler Haas back in the starting lineup for the workshop. Rio Natura Mondas recorded eight points, two boards, and an 83-79 win over FIATC Juventunt Badalona. Ooh. Hey, future guest Kyle Collinsworth is <laughs> going to be on the show, both bowl directors, Hawaii and Vegas, as well as John Beck. It's a big week. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Health. When you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Duh, Kyle Collinsworth. Triple, Triple double, double mark. king, baby. Yes. Nicely done. Our elite tweet of the day from at DYoung1993. What was the best thing that happened for BYU over the weekend? The football team beat the Dairy Utes. Hashtag Aggie Tears. The Dairy Utes. Thanks to Trevor Madden, Jansen Winder, Heather Olmstead, and everyone on our crew. The show on demand, BYUSN.com. Download the podcast on iTunes. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Wayne Lott.